So abide in truth and avoid deception. You know, I read a quote by C.H. Spurgeon, and he writes, quote, If you sincerely drink poison, it will kill you. If you sincerely cut your throat, you will die. If you sincerely believe a lie, you will suffer the consequences. You must not only be sincere, but you must also be right. Close quote. You know, we, uh, we know a lot of people today, they come across and they say what they want to say, write what they want to say, post what they want to say, want everyone else to, to read. And then we look to them and we oftentimes praise them and hold them on high because they're simply sincere. Data shows, in fact, if we think about this, data shows, you can look this up, that in the world today, 2.2 billion people claim to be Christians. That's actually 31% of the world's population. So we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What is a Christian? These questions, really the answers to these questions should be sought in the Lord, in the very word of God. Today there are people who are praised for their sincere beliefs in what is false, wicked, immoral, and are even enabled and encouraged to continue in their falsehood and its practices. Politicians who claim to be pastors who are in support of abortion, that is the murder of the innocent, the one that is alive and well, an individual who has been formed in the womb. And these supposed pastors who claim to be pastors are hailed as champions of women's health. False religious denominations who claim to follow Christ and yet teach that many forms of sexual perversion, sexual immorality, including homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, bisexuality, etc. They teach it's all accepted by God. In that it is actually loving to accept this behavior in people and make no apology for participating in this lifestyle. But to do so would be to dismiss sin and what is true. To do so would be to twist God's word to fit a false and wicked agenda. To do so would be to dismiss their participation of what is clearly sin and a clear offense against God. It's no different than to call out those things which the Bible clearly defines as sin, liars, those who give themselves to being drunkards, fornicators. It's no different. And yet these people are hailed as champions of true religious expression. And everyone who does not agree with them are regarded as bigots, legalists, who don't know what it means to love others, as they say 
God supposedly does. We saw the three crosses. We saw a representation of the Son of God being lifted up. If this is true, what I'm saying and what people claim to say and then claim that they are Christians, if that is true, then Jesus' sacrifice was performed in vain. It means absolutely nothing. And still there are many others who claim to be Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, but at the same time pick and choose what truth they are willing to submit to and what truth they are unwilling to submit to. They make it abundantly clear. Over the course of time, just just take a, a seat and just watch. After a while, trials and tribulation, calamity hits, tough situations, or perhaps it's power, it's authority, it's money, it's success, it's ease that causes them to draw away and choose to follow those things rather than the Lord. Listen, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus said these words. He said, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are Few, few. So when I looked up the numbers, the fact of the matter is, is that 31%, 2.2 billion people of 7.3 billion in the world is not few. So either God is wrong or we are. And God is never wrong. Because I don't believe 31% of the world's population is few. By definition, it is not few. Because few is defined as not many, a small number, an indeterminate number. You are walking that narrow path. But brothers and sisters, many believe they are. You see, as we look at this, this beautiful letter, John lays out exactly what it is to walk with the Lord and what it looks like to not walk with the Lord. John writes encouraging the Christian to remain, to abide in the truth. And in so doing, avoid being deceived. Because there are people, know this, there are people who are actively working to deceive those who belong to Christ and those who think they belong to Christ but demonstrate otherwise. There are people who are trying to deceive you. 
And so the Apostle John, he lays this out for us. We read it as we went through the final portion of chapter 2. In, in the last words, he says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. This is John's desire. This is, more importantly, God's desire. That in the day that Jesus comes back for us, we may not shrink back in shame, but we would rather stand in confidence, knowing that we have had spiritual integrity, we have drawn close to the Lord, and we are standing uprightly before him. Come, let us worship, and do not be afraid. That's what I pray is our hearts. That's where we stand as a church, as, as his people. And so we begin by looking at the first point where it is that John points out it is the last hour. Do you believe that? That this is the last hour? We're living in the last hour. The 11th hour. Jesus is coming soon. Do you believe that? What's going on here? <laughs> Listen, church, we need to believe that. But we need to demonstrate that we believe that. I think your elbow hit, yeah. <laughs> we, we need to demonstrate that. Verse 18, again, as we go back. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through 5, it says, As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Listen, first we need to understand that the last hour means that these are the last days before judgment. The judgment of the world, the judgment of Satan, and his demons, and all who reject Jesus on the day when they will all be thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity. And he points that out. John doesn't say it may be the last hour. I'm not sure, but it could be. I'm not 100%. No, this is the word of God. This is 100%. He says, it is the last hour. You know that the Antichrist is coming. Listen, we shouldn't be looking for the Antichrist. We should be looking for Christ. Many people are so overwhelmed and consumed and spend so much time looking for the Antichrist. I don't really care about the Antichrist. I really don't. He'll come and he'll deceive many. I want to keep my eyes on the hope on the prize, on the one that I'm going to be with 
for eternity. But I do want to discern the day in which we're living in. Because secondly, we need to understand it's not the focus is not the Antichrist, but it's, hey, listen, in the last hour, there's going to be many Antichrists. Jesus said, whoever's not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. We need to understand that, that the Antichrists are not ones that dress like the devil that we see in cartoons. are perhaps very convincing, charismatic. You're drawn to them for some reason. Listen, quite simply, this, this is what antichrists mean. Anti, let's begin with anti. Anti means just opposed to. Against, a person opposed to a particular policy, activity, or idea. That's all that means. This would include a person opposed to Scripture, who would prove this through disobedience, not abiding in Scripture. And John says that in the last hour, many antichrists will come. Therefore, because there are many antichrists, today you can discern and you know that it is indeed the last hour. I agree, John, as I see what is happening in today's day and age in this world there are many antichrists who reject the truth of God's word and then claim to be saviors. Oh, we see them all over the place, don't we? We, we, we know that people claim that so-and-so, I'm the savior, I can save you from all your troubles, all your ailments, everything, all your troubles. But notice where these people come from. And this is sad commentary. This is something that should grieve our hearts. Notice where these antichrists come from. Those who reject Christ with full knowledge of who he is. Those who were once part of the Christian community. Being part of the church? Like right here, the physical church. Yes. Now, I want to make it clear that John is not talking about someone who leaves one church and goes to another. Except for refuge. If you leave this church. <laughs> no, he's rather referring to those who leave the fellowship of the saints completely. Completely. How many times have we heard of people leaving the church saying they can be a Christian however they want? They, they don't need to attend church to be a Christian. Have you heard that? I've heard that over and over again. I, I don't need to go to church to be a, uh, a Christian, to worship God. Okay. Well, then you have to, whatever it is that someone is claiming, you need to always go back to the Word of God and, and ask yourself, is what they're saying, does it match up with the word of God? Because in the same breath, by them saying that, these people are actually rejecting the commandment, commandments of God. 
the one whom they profess to follow. That's why it's important for us to define what, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a follower of Christ? How is it defined according to God whom we profess to follow and desire to worship and praise and glorify? Well, we realize they're making up their own rules. And in the end, they're making up their own God. Not the God of the Bible. And therefore prove that they were actually anti-Christs. And they encourage others to do the very same thing. They're actually opposed to God. Because in John 14, 15, and I, I love this simple statement by the Lord himself. Jesus Christ says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will keep them. And they will not be a burden to you. You will desire to do them fully, completely, above all else. So from this, we can clearly see that they are deceived, right? And if others believe the same, they are capable of leading others away from following Christ and abiding in him. And so John is saying, hey, this is, this is how we know that it is the last hour. And it is the last hour. Beware of the people who are so spiritual that they believe everyone else is hypocritical. Everyone else is doing things wrong. Those who say, I can't stand to be around church people. I, I've, I've seen books titled that. Perhaps if they find a perfect church, they'll ruin it as they walk through those doors, right? No, I'm sorry. Brothers and sisters, it is work to demonstrate an agape love toward one another as we do so towards the Lord. A, a, a family that consists of the children of God are to stick together, grow together, work through things together. All the while looking at the word of God to be the standard by which we conduct ourselves amongst each other. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. No, what these people actually prove is that they were never of us. They were never one of God's people. And by them leaving, they make this abundantly plain. It is what is written. It is what we just read. C.H. Virgin said, quote, Sin causes a madness which makes sick souls dream that they are in sound health. Close quote. Secondly, verse 20 John is saying, you have knowledge, you know these things. Verse 20 says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. John's audience is knowledgeable of the truth, not ignorant. Listen, we go in this church, we go line by line, chapter by chapter, book by book, the only book in the New Testament that we have yet to go through as a church is the Gospel of Luke. 
That is it. In the Old Testament, we're getting through. But I do not neglect to teach you the whole counsel of God. And so you are not ignorant. You know the truth. And this is the audience that John is writing to. It is the church knows the truth. You know the truth. And therefore, we can, in a similar way, receive this and know, okay, we know know the truth. We're not ignorant. John is referring to a common anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know there's a common anointing of the Holy Spirit. For each and every one of us that believe. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. We have been sealed with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit and kept for the day of redemption. He is our, our guarantee. He is also our teacher. He's also the one that brings conviction, leads us into all truth. So this, this is a, a, an anointing, a common anointing of common discernment for all who have been filled by the Holy Spirit. The moment of repentance and belief in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Every believer has discernment according to God's word and as God's spirit gives him understanding of what is true. It's not a, um, as some people would call it, a special anointing. It's a common anointing. And it proves itself by personal understanding and application of the truth. You know, if we require kids to know the difference between good and bad, you know what a lie is. I mean, we ask our children this. Do you know what you just said is a lie? It is not true. And yet, why it is that we as adults make every attempt to justify a lie? You could say, okay, you know the difference between a lie and what is true, right? And especially as we have the Spirit indwelling us, we know the difference. We know how to discern between what is a lie and what is true. You know, in John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. In John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Oh, how wonderful is our helper. He who comes alongside us and never leaves us and never forsakes us. And is able to keep us until the day that we come into glory for all eternity. You know what is true because you are able to discern what is true and what is a lie. This is what John is saying you know this, you, are, you have full knowledge. And you know what is a lie. The Lord has given you understanding of the word of God by the power of the spirit of God. So the question is, who is the liar then? Verse 22, as John continues, says, 
Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. You know, we learned earlier that an Antichrist is a person simply opposed to Scripture, opposed to what is true, who would approve this through who would prove this and approve of it through their disobedience, not abiding in Scripture. And John says that in the last hour, there will be many antichrists. But then John points out that those who deny that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed of the Father, that Jesus is the Messiah, these are the ones who are opposed to Christ. So with that said, can, let me ask you this. Can a, can a person speak well of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and still deny Jesus? In other words, can a person say that they believe in Jesus but in reality be opposed to him? That would be a liar. billion, 31%, not few. And as we consider the things that we have before us, that is the narrow path, narrow gate. Yes, people can say whatever it is that they want to say, They can be very sincere about it, yet still be liars. Not opinion, a fact. Paul, the servant of God, exposed liars. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, and what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguised, disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Paul, the servant of God, exposed liars, and Jesus, the Son of God, confronted liars. In John chapter 8, in verse 39, Jesus did indeed confront liars as he said, Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works of your father, uh, the works your father did. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if you were your fa- if if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. 
I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Those are powerful and very direct words, are they not? This is Jesus speaking to a group of men who are very religious and know Scripture better than you and I. And yet he's telling them, oh, you go out of your way and, oh, and you'll, you'll travel great distances and proselytize. And make others devils just like yourself. I'm paraphrasing here. The word of God cuts deep. Confronts us. Christianity is a, a faith of confrontation. Jesus confronted sin on the cross. Jesus still today confronts our sin through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He confronts us on a daily basis. That's the work of sanctification. We have not arrived. We have not attained, as the Apostle Paul said. And we never will, this side of heaven. And so our sin needs to be confronted. That we may reflect the character of God in our lives. That we may bring him glory. Paul, the servant of God, exposed liars. Jesus, the son of God, confronted liars. And the word of God reveals liars. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oh, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Well, God does. And his, his word is like a surgical knife that will cut and expose those things that need to be removed. Time, trials, and tests all have a tendency to reveal whether a person has genuinely confessed Jesus as the Son of God and submitted to his lordship or not. We know as the Lord said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That a person who denies the Son through disobedience denies the Father. In John chapter 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light. So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. 
If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not re receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. John continues. In verse 24, he's calling on the believers to abide in truth, to abide in Christ. Verse 24 says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. So as children of God, as, as those who belong to Jesus Christ, hold fast to what is true. In a day in which deception is flying at us, at an alarming rate, where compromise is rampant. It is imperative for the children of God to hold fast to what is true, regardless of the peer pressure that we're feeling, whether it be at school, at the workplace, or even in our home. Hold fast to what is true. Cling to the word of God. Cling to Jesus. Cling to God. Trust in him. Come under the shadow of the Almighty. Oh, we ought to encourage others. As John encouraged those at, in that day and us today. We are to preserve our relationship with Jesus Christ by allowing the word of God to remain in us and to live accordingly. Don't be fooled. All of us go after, at times, uh, this shiny object, right? One of the key words to successful marketing is new. What'd you say? New. <laughs> and, and you turn to it, right? It's like, I, I, I heard new. Or the other one is free, right? The shiny things. And the world knows that. So does Satan. In Galatians chapter 1. This is the introduction of the Apostle Paul. A, a, a word of rebuke here to the church. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, he, he writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. 
What is true is not new, and what is new is not true. You see, God's truth does not change. Oh, we need to make it relevant. No, you don't. No, you don't. It's just as relevant today as it was in the day of the Apostle John when he wrote 1 John. We don't have to add to it. In fact, we water it down and we turn it into a different gospel if we try and make it relevant to today. It is relevant to today. It is true of today. God's truth does not change. It was the same yesterday. It is true today and it will always be true. Do not abandon the word of God, but faithfully seek to understand scripture and live according to the word of God because to do so is to know that you have eternal life according to God's promise. You want to stand on the solid rock of God's truth? Then walk in it, know it, understand it, apply it. Place your hope in it. It is unmoving, unchanging, and will never let you down. May you remain in the truth. Verse 26, as he continues, he says, deceivers are trying to deceive you. Beware, deceivers are trying to deceive you. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it, had, it, just as it has taught you, abide in him. John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You know, an abundant life is not one of opulence, one of, you know, having things and a big fat bank account and a nice car or cars in your driveway or a beach house or beach house and a house in the mountains. And it has nothing to do with that. And an abundant life is one that's at peace with God. One who has learned to be content in Christ no matter what they're faced with. A person that has and is enjoying an abundant life is walking unashamed with the Lord, drawing close to him, has found joy in him, pleasure in him. To deceive is to cause someone to believe something that isn't true. And normally it is done to gain some personal advantage. It, it could be that these deceivers are in love with the world as we read earlier in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Those who are in love with the world and the things of the world will encourage others to do the very same thing. They are themselves deceivers. But deceivers could also be people who are bitter, angry, vengeful, filled with hatred, and are therefore divisive and are willing to deceive to cause harm. A sort of personal judgment. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20 wrote this. 
And this is a warning to the leaders, the elders in Ephesus. Verse 26 says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Imagine the Apostle Paul is pleading with them, please pay attention. Please draw close. Please abide in Christ. It's critical that you do, that you walk with them, that you can discern between that which is false and that which is true. That you can identify when someone is a wolf in sheep's clothing. In church, as you've been taught the word of God, I ask you in the same way. You hold fast to what is true. Don't allow deceivers to deceive you. Because we know as we read here, that God's anointing of the Holy Spirit will draw you to the truth and will draw you to Jesus. Finally, in verse 28, it says, And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him unashamed if we are living our lives according to the word of God then at that point at that sound of the trumpet cry of the archangel we will in a moment quicker than that be in his presence Pray that we are caught bringing him glory. That in that moment, we will not be ashamed, but rather we will have a humble confidence, knowing that we have surrendered the entirety of our life to him. We have subjected ourselves to God in every way, leading us in all truth. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. When Jesus comes, will it be a moment of shame and disappointment? Or will it be in that moment, a moment of great joy and gladness because you have been faithful? You know, when a child has done something wrong and a parent comes around the corner, sometimes our kids tell on themselves, don't they? Even dogs do that. Come around, what'd you do? How do we lose that? 
How did we lose that? That fear and that reverence for God. Now we have to be like, like even Adam in the garden. We don't even do that anymore. Shameful. We, you know, Adam at least tried to cover himself. No, we should really live, live our lives in a way that reflects an obedience and a love for God. We should have a humble confidence. Looking forward to that moment that God calls us home. So brothers and sister, sisters, practice righteousness, proving that you have been born of the Spirit and will not be ashamed at His coming. So lastly, number one, beware of deceivers as we conclude. Don't be naive. Satan is out to destroy you and pull you away from Christ and his people. Don't fall for the lies. Secondly, know the truth and hold fast to the truth. Those who are filled with the Spirit of God know and believe the Word of God and live according to the Word of God need to do so consistently. So cling to what is true. Thirdly, have confidence when Jesus returns. Live a life that brings honor and glory to God. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And always be ready for Jesus' return. He may come at any moment. T.H. Virgin said, you must not only be sincere, but you must also be right. Abide in truth, no eternal life. Father, I thank you for your word. Oh, your word is life. I ask, Lord, that you would Help us, Lord, to draw close to you. Lord, to heed these words, to, to know them, to understand them, to apply this to our lives, to be aware of the last hour, of the last days, and be ready for the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So, Father, I ask, if anyone here is, is not prepared, Lord, that... If there's anyone here who has not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Father, may this be the day of salvation. May this moment, Lord, serve to be a, a, a moment in their lives to which they can look back to and thank you for and be eternally grateful for because it was in this moment that they completely surrender their lives to you. Father, I pray that if you're bringing that conviction that sin separates them from you, but they can know salvation only through Jesus Christ, that today they confess their sins, they repent of their sins, and they turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For your church, Father, I pray that you would strengthen us. Help us to stand in truth, walk in righteousness, and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray.